0: verses 3 through 42, and I want to point out that you have 3 through 10 in your bulletins. So when we get to 10, it's just going to be story time with Jared after that, so you guys can listen to me um, with that. Um, but uh, while you guys are flipping there in your Bibles or your smartphones or your iPads or you want to read it in the text, or maybe it's too small there so you got to do something else, that's fine too. Um, I want to ask you guys, have you ever encountered something or with have an encounter with someone where... Uh, maybe their customs were a little bit different than yours and it, it just it was kind of like a, like it was okay, but there were, you could still feel the awkward tension there. Um, yeah, one thing that I remember uh, before, Megan and I left Claxton First United Methodist, where I, I started out my ministry career as the youth pastor there. We had the chance to go to Utah and uh, do a mission trip out there with the Navajo Nation. And it, I mean it was, it was amazing. Uh, one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life. But whenever you get out there, if you've ever been out there, the the landscape is completely different than here. Like our our number one growing plant, I think, in South Georgia is pine trees. Um, So you can't see very far here. But when you get out there, it's just flat. And I can remember waking up one morning and thinking, you know, I wonder what the weather's going to be like. I do this pretty regularly. I whip out my phone. I pull up the Weather Channel app. I'm looking at the, you know, what's going to happen. Is it going to rain? I'm looking at the temperature. And when you're out there and you ask people, so what's the weather going to be like today? And they'll just look up and say, it won't rain today. And You're like, how, how do you know that right off the bat? It is so flat out there that you could see rain coming in the afternoon when you step outside in the morning. Like, that's how flat it is. It's, it's just rocks. It's flat and rocks. That's all it is. Um, but one thing that, that uh, was very awkward was when we give directions here, you know, like if I'm going to give you directions to your pie, which is one of my most favorite places to eat, right? Well you get directions to your pie, first of all, i got to line up with gentilli here. And so you go down gentilli and then you're going to take a right, and then your pie is going to be down there on the left, right? And you see what I'm doing here? I'm going around pine trees. I'm going around buildings with my arms. Not people there. It's so flat. You ask them where your pie is, it's that way. There's not a road that way. It's just flat. It's that way, and sure enough, you walk straight that way, you will hit your pie eventually in this place. Uh, so it's pretty. Uh, that was kind of awkward for me because it was just like, oh, well, this is, and it's just wasn't, wasn't what I used was used to. But today uh, we're going to look at a story with Jesus when he encounters. Uh, uh, a Samaritan woman, and Jews and Samaritans—we'll talk about this later. Uh, their their customs, their things—they they really didn't like each other, so uh, it it could have uh, it could have been a very awkward encounter. So, uh, but today we're going to be in the book of John, and we come to this place called uh, Sychar, uh, which in the Old Testament was called Shechem. If you guys know anything about that, and you want to put two and two together, there you go. Um, but in this story, Jesus is thirsty. It's noon time in the story. It's hot, he's thirsty, and he stops by a well to get something to drink. And actually, I'm not even going to paraphrase it. We're going to jump in and we're going to read from John chapter 4 starting with verse 3. It says, "He left Judea and started back to Galilee. But he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon." In them, a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, "'Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty "'or have to keep coming here to draw water.'" Jesus said to her, "'Go, call your husband and come back.'" The woman answered him, "'I have no husband.'" Jesus said to her, "'You are right in saying I have no husband, "'for you have had five husbands, "'and the one you have now is not your husband. "'What you said is true.'" The woman said to him, sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is for the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way home and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you, I sent you, to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from the city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world." Um, as I prepared for this sermon this week, uh, I read that that text, and I, I started thinking, you know what else is around John in this in this text that i can I can read and I can look at? And if you back up a chapter, this is John chapter four, if we back up a chapter and we go to John chapter three, we see a story of a man named Nicodemus, and he is sneaking to Jesus at night at this time, and um and if you remember, I don't know if you guys have ever heard uh, the Bible verse, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life And 17, for God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but to be the savior of the world. A lot of people have heard that. That's the Nicodemus story. Okay, so that's verse three. Nicodemus was a, um, a Pharisee. He was part of the Sanhedrin, the ruling court of the Jews. He was a very respectable and well-looked-at person in the Jewish community. That's chapter 3. And now we're in chapter 4, and we're talking to a Samaritan woman. These people could not be any more different. And these are consecutive stories in the book of John. Okay? Nicodemus came to Jesus with a whole bunch of questions While the woman seems indifferent, I mean, she's coming to the well just to get some water. And actually, she probably has never heard of Jesus until this day. Nicodemus was respected, and he was a moral ruler, while the woman was an outcast. If you guys remember, she'd been married five times and was living with a man who wasn't her husband. So she was an outcast in her own village. And then three, Nicodemus was a Jew, he was well-educated in religious matters while she was a Samaritan. And because she was a woman, she most likely did not have the benefit of any religious training. So yet in spite of their differences, there's still this one thing in common that they had. And it's actually something that they have in common with us. It is the need for Jesus in our lives. The need to accept Christ as our Savior and be born again. The need for a drink of living water. Now, fortunately, Jesus came for everyone. Not just for some chosen people. Not just for some privileged class. Not just to well-educated and religious people. But Jesus reaches out to each and every person. Rich or poor, religious or unchurched. To every person, even sinners like you and me. So while Jesus is good at reaching everyone, sometimes I fear that the church, the big C church, is better at reaching Nicodemus than we are at reaching the woman at the well. Because, you know, when someone shows up to Bible study and they have a bunch of questions and they've done their reading and they, they know how to act in worship and all the church language, we're strong. We're strong around those kind of people. Are we still strong with people who never go to church? Can we share that love and care that Jesus shows us with family and friends who don't know the Lord? How about with people who, are, uh, who we are not even comfortable, comfortable with being around, like a Jew would be with a Samaritan? In those situations, how do we, the church, do when it comes to sharing our faith? How do we do when it comes to sharing the love of Christ with those who need it most? Now, in today's text, we find Jesus in one of these very personal situations. He's sitting beside a well near a city in Samaria, and uh, it was actually not very likely for a place for a Jew to be. All right, Uh, If you didn't know, Jews and Samaritans did not get along. Okay, we're actually going to do a little history lesson here. In 586, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians came and destroyed the nation of Judah and destroyed Jerusalem. And with that, they took the best craftsmen, the most beautiful women, the smartest and best educated, and the wealthy, and they exiled them to Babylon. When you read the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel is in Babylon in this exile. Okay? So, those few that were left behind were mostly the poorest of the poor. And they intermarried with other people living in the land who weren't Jews. Those people became Samaritans. Okay? So the Jews hated them because they felt like they were inferior to the Jews and because they had married Gentiles. And the Samaritans returned hatred for hatred. If you remember the parable that Jesus told of the Good Samaritan, um, that story should be highly offensive to people. We don't get that because sometimes we don't understand the context in which it's being told. But that story was highly offensive. Um, I don't think Jesus did that, but if he introduced his parables by saying something like, Now I'm going to tell you the story about a Good Samaritan, people would have laughed in his face. They would have said, Jesus, there is no such thing as a Good Samaritan. So, by Jesus' day, all right, we're coming up on 500 years of this trade in hatred for hatred between Jews and Samaritans. A Jewish traveler would go miles out of the way just to avoid setting foot in the country of Samaria. But let's look at verse 4, though. It says, now he had to go through Samaria. Now, after, let's recall our history lesson that we just learned... Let's recall that. Did Jesus have to go through Samaria? Now, if I were to ever write a commentary on the Bible, which I don't see myself doing in the foreseeable future, um, my thoughts for this verse would be that Jesus knew that he had to go this way because this is where the people of the day would have noticed the sinners and the poor and the outcasts. So going through Samaria was the most direct route from Judea to Galilee. This is the the journey that that Jesus is traveling on. But strict Jews who wished to avoid uh, becoming religiously unclean would actually bypass Samaria by taking a longer, less direct route. All right, this involved crossing the Jordan River and traveling past Samaria on the eastern side of the river, then crossing back once you got past Samaria. And because of this, it would have been very unusual for the Samaritan woman to arrive at the well at the time that she did only to find a Jew sitting there. Now, after saying all of that, seeing Jesus, a Jew, sitting there is not the strange thing because something even stranger happens next. He spoke to her. This was very unexpected because the Samaritan was a woman. All right, Jewish wisdom sayings of the day were things like never speak to a woman on the street even if she's your wife or your daughter. If I was walking through the Statesboro Mall and I ignored my wife, it would not be a good day for me. All right, and another one would be... uh, burn the words of the law rather than teach them to a woman. So in that day, it would have been unlikely that a man would speak to a woman, especially one he didn't even know. And that would have been especially true considering the barrier of hatred separating the Samaritans and the Jews. However, hating people is never an option for Jesus. And he always cared for women contrary to the wisdom of the day. So he did something very unexpected. He spoke to her. John writes in verse 6 that it was about noon. Now the original readers of this, the original uh, listeners of this, would have understood this lady's social status by hearing the time of day that she went to the well. Because the well, going to the well was um, a social time for women, okay? They would go to the well, and it's hard work, dropping a bucket down in water, and you guys ever carried a five-gallon bucket full of water? It's really heavy. So they would go early in the morning, late in the evening when it was cool, and this lady went at noon. A woman drawing water alone in the heat of the day, at the noontime was obviously trying to avoid the other women in her village. She was an outcast. <clears throat> and then when we learned that she had, <coughs> excuse me, when we learned that she had five marriages that didn't last, <clears throat> and then she's staying with another man who's not her husband, yeah, John Wesley in his notes in the New Testament, um, he's actually ready to give this woman the benefit Of the doubt. He writes, whether they were all dead or not, talking about her future husbands, her own conscience now awakened would tell her. So perhaps she was a widow five times over. Yet getting water at noon and living with a man who was not her husband both speak strongly of her immoral behavior. All right, but notice this. Jesus still loves her. He spends time talking with her, time in serious conversation. He even tells her that he is the Messiah. In the Gospel of Mark, he withholds that even from his disciples. But he tells her that he is the Messiah. This is important news for me because I see myself in the woman at the well. Not that I've had five husbands or I share her promiscuous lifestyle, um, but that my other sins are many. That's where I see myself in that woman. So if Jesus can love this woman at the well and show her genuine care and concern, then our Lord can extend that same love and care to me. He can extend that same love and care to you. After meeting Jesus, this woman raced to her village to share this good news that she had just learned. She had discovered the Messiah, and she felt compelled to go and tell others. The people of her town hurried to investigate, and because of this woman, many came to know Christ. Now, after reading the story, Jesus can obviously change lives. Even turning the town's most notorious sinner into the town's most effective evangelist this passage in the Gospel of John challenges us to look at our own boundaries Jesus ministered to the woman at the well in